Guys, can we get calm silence, please? Can we get calm silence? Calms. Silence, please. Hello, I'm LJ Gantor. Welcome to the Calm Silence Podcast. Today I'm your lone host, but that's okay. I have a great guest for you. One of my favorite people in pretty much all of independent wrestling. A guy who's at certain points in my career was the only one booking me, which I'm grateful for. And just a great friend in general, Fleck. Welcome, Fleck. Thanks for having me, buddy. You know something? I don't know why you called yourself a lone host because you got Fleck, you got Gigantor. Do we really need <laughs> anyone else right now? Well, I mean, it would be cool to have Ernie and Cotter here. They they do love you. They just got oh, those little punks. Let me tell you about them. No, I love Ernie and Connor. I miss them, guys. All right. Well, to get us started, I think kind of just to set the tone for people that don't know you, I'd like to tell the story of. My first impression of you. I don't think I ever told you this, but I laugh about it all the time. Please do, because trust me, I am well aware that right out of the gate that most people hate me. And once they figure out me, they learn to love me. So go ahead. Please tell us. That's very accurate. So it was the first Asylum Pro Wrestling show. And uh, we had a, for those listening that don't know what a pony ring is, there's a couple different types of rings. One would be in a pony, which is like really low to the ground. And a high boy is like really high up. So anyways, I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) And Fleck comes in cursing everybody out. And the first thing he says, oh my God, you got a fucking pony ring. And I was like, what did this guy just call our ring? And I, I was heated. I was ready. I was almost ready to walk up and like not fight you, but get confrontational. And Allura took me into the kitchen and she was like, listen, G, I need you to calm down. I understand Fleck is a little much to handle at first, but once you get to know him, he's one of the most lovable assholes you'll ever meet. And you definitely have calmed down since then. I don't even want to call you an asshole at this point, but that was just such an accurate statement because then after that, you immediately sat me and all the other trainees down and started giving us really down to earth advice and like, just totally did a 180 instantly. Yeah, I was I, I was going to say, that not that the show that I pulled you guys aside and I told Shay I just want to talk to you guys on my own and just, just you know, reach out to you guys. But uh, let's see, who's still there? So Connor was in that conversation. You were in that conversation. I'm not sure if Ernie was. The original Aug that quit was, and then somebody else was that I don't think is around the business anymore either. Yeah, uh... There's, there's a couple of people, I think, that... Well, oh, Marty was there, which he he is still in the business. He's just... I think, at least. He's just not and then there, around Isn't here. there one that just completely, like, blew me off? Like, they didn't even, like, acknowledge what I was doing? Uh, I don't remember that. I don't know. Maybe. That sounds... He, he didn't even care. I don't... Th- like I said, I don't think he's in the business or what. I can't remember. This was what... Shoot, this is a good five years ago, at least, right? No. No, it was, Hold like, on. three and a half. Yeah, it's 2021. It was like yeah. 2018. Yeah, something like that. Anyways, so first thing I usually like to ask wrestlers when I have them on the show, how did you, what, what is your first memory just as a fan of professional wrestling? Like what got you hooked? Like, you know, everybody gets hooked that pretty, most of us that do it. You know, I'll I'll admit this because I'm completely all about WWE. But the funny thing is, I remember watching WCW with my dad when I was like, yay little, like, I don't even know, like, what age. So that, like, started me on the loving wrestling route. 
And then my first pay-per-view I ordered was uh, Survivor Series 94. And from there, I just kind of like, it just grew and grew and grew and grew until obviously today, which we'll get into. So who who's the first guy? Like, who was your guy back when you were a kid? Well, since it was like that, that early, I was all about like Diesel and Razor and Shawn Michaels, you know, Shawn and Diesel had were the two dudes with attitudes back then. So that was like my really first guys that I really liked. Um, and then WrestleMania 12 with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, that really got me really hooked on wrestling. And then once it's, it's when Austin, um, the ringmaster turned into Stone Cold Steve Austin that really just, he just took the cake for me as my favorite wrestler. But I also did watch when Austin was stunning Steve and, WCW back when you know Harlem Heat was there and Buff Bagwell and Pillman were all there. So I was aware of the WCW guys when they came into WWE, but I mainstreamed to, oh, I should say WWF because we're going to talk about the era, so we'll be politically correct. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you even have a dog named 316, right? You fucking love Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah, my dog's named 316. Told Ernie yeah. he needs a stone cold vest or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the one thing I haven't uh, done in the ring because like you wanna you wanna like respect your your idols, but I don't want to like copy them. You yeah, know, yeah. a little little secret. I'll let a little insight for people that don't know. Um, besides me actually having middle fingers tattooed on my biceps, as well as three sixteen tattooed on my shoulder, which you can barely see because I got it. When I was 18 and it's faded in, I uh, I tape my middle fingers and that's like my salute to, to Austin when I'm out there without like, you know, trying to take the vest or, you know, people do the stunner. Yeah. Like the one move you will never, ever see me do in the ring is the stunner. That's just yeah. something I, I regard. I just won't do it, even though Austin's my idol. Yeah, I think that's awesome that you do little things to show respect to like the people that inspired you. Because I feel like a lot of wrestlers are kind of like there's this stigma and it, it's fair like i understand like you you don't want to be the fan necessarily but at the same time like everybody it, i feel like everybody in most things were fans of the people that came before them and that's why they they do it like otherwise what are you there for so it's cool that you're not afraid to do little things like that you were definitely in the business because somebody you've seen inspired you into some way you do something, whether it's gear, a move, attitude, the way you present yourself, something that you kind of pay homage to them. And it, and honestly, if you don't, like even like your move set, you know, like I like Triple H, I like Sean, I like Austin, you know. Yeah. I've done, you know, Triple H's spine buster. I've done the super kick. Um, Austin's style the ground style more like that asshole kind of thing that's like my style in the ring so i took it from a couple of wrestlers so if they don't like immediately uh emulate their favorite wrestler like they pull something from those guys and i'll be honest with you i do a leg drop and i do a a, a big splash but i mean sting sting and hogan all due respect they're great talents but they're not guys that like, I don't like do that because of them. That's actually just moves that I figured out I could do like, and I like doing them and I just kept them in my repertoire. I actually got to get, I can change it again. I got to add some, I'm going to have to talk to you since you're a bigger guy too. Um, <laughs> got to shake it up. Like when I added the doctor bomb, I got to, I got to shake up some, uh, some of my moves. Well, Nothing like, crazy. No flippy stuff. You I've, know me. I don't, I've gotten, I don't I've gotten some new moves that you haven't seen yet that I'm excited for you to see. Like I since we've last uh like worked on a show together, my whole move set is pretty much totally different. So which show which asylum show? Oh, that was the outdoor or yeah, that was the outdoor asylum show that I wrestled Sicken at, and I actually beat him that match, and I, I saw that he currently has that heavyweight title. So doesn't technically that make me number one contender? No, 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 no. We already got a four way. <laughs> And I'm in that match, so I'm not going to give you the freebie. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to win the title here. I, don't, I have, uh, don't I have a win over you, too, as well? 
<laughs> no. Did you? Who won that triple threat with me, you, and Uggy? I did because you walked out. And Is I'm that not, not going to pass up a free win. <laughs> Is that how we booked? I booked it. I do. I booked so many. Man, I, I can't remember yeah. how. Yeah, how you, that gave, you gave the middle fingers, and you're like, winning doesn't well, matter. Awesome. I'm glad I gave you the win because you know me. I don't. I don't take wins very often. Yeah. One thing I do want to touch on, though, like kind of talking about how you take things. You do do a really good job of having your own like personality. I feel like like I really love that you come out with the chains. And I think uh, like your intro music is one of my favorite intro songs, like on most of the indies. It's very unique. Like I never heard it before. Like I heard you come out to it. What kind of inspired that? Can you like touch on that a little bit? I fell in love with that song when it started playing on the X. And uh, not going into too much detail, those who know, know, and that's all that really matters. I had a shake-up in my life, what, five and a half, six years ago, and um, kind of had to, I won't say change who I am, just kind of had to rebuild who I am. And um, in my song, it says, break those chains. So I wanted to add the chain to my... Uh, to my entrance and you know sometimes i use it as a weapon it's not there for that it's more or less for my entrance i actually originally um wanted to like just do two separate chains and thread them together but i found in in having them linked like that when you pull them apart it's just it's may work it's may not so i just went with the solid single chain and um some may think oh you know junkyard dog or the british bulldogs or um hercules had the chains i'm like well, all due respect, they're, they're great talents, but that's not why I did it. It's it's a part of like me and what I go through in life. And with, with the song that I love about the song is like, so when I come out, like it just gets you in that mindset. It's not just like boom, 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 boom. It's like slow and then it picks up. So like when I literally drop the chain in the part, that's when the song picks yeah. up. And it's just like you make sure it's I can walk out there. I go to one knee. I can stay. I pan the crowd. You know, I take some, some people hate it because it takes like a minute, a solid minute to, until I break the chain. Some people don't like that, but I don't really do much after. So you can cut my music after. I don't really care. It's just all that build up to the point right there. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's just, everybody needs that. Like if you don't get pumped up about your, if your song that you come out to your entrance theme, then why is it your entrance theme? Like yeah. you're missing. The whole uh, if that doesn't pump you up and get you chills and get you going every time you hear it to go out and perform in front of the crowd, then you have the wrong entrance theme. Yeah, and I think the other important thing too. Oh, also by the way, for those listening, I don't think we mentioned the name of his song that we're talking about is uh, "In Chains" by Shaman's Harvest. So if you want to check that out, that's the song we're talking about. But yeah, I think like that and also fitting. Like, fitting your gimmick is very important entrance music. And I think the other key to entrance music, which your song also has, is, like, like you were saying, the slow build-up and then a point where it, like, picks up. Because if it just comes out... I mean, it the songs that just pick up work for some people, but, like, for bigger yeah, guys, you gotta, you gotta like me, it depends on who like you are. Yeah, yeah. You gotta like run you gotta ring out, out and back like a warrior and be at that 120% the whole entire time. Like, you're not going to. So just, you know, I don't know. Find, find out something that interests you. And, like, I mean, I've come out to other songs, but um, last, like, shoot, last good four to five years, it's been just that song. Yeah. Well, um, so kind of, um, I kind of want to touch on, like, your whole experience. I've, I've never really asked you, uh, like, so I want to go from kind of the beginning of your career here. So like, let, I guess let's start with training. Who, where did you start training and, uh, who trained you and how'd that go for you? I trained at Iron City Wrestling Academy, which was the school associated with IWC, which is International Wrestling Cartel. And I trained under, um, Marshall Gambino, and super hentai okay so you got any fun stories from that um 
No, I don't really touch on that too much. There's like some bad blood. Okay. Um, I don't really go there. Um, you know, it is stuff happens. You wish you were a different. We'll just say stuff happens. Nothing major happened. Just, just bad blood. I mean, I, I had. Here's the one thing that I will say about the training that I got from Super Hentai and Marshall Bambino. Um, as trainers, I have the utmost respect for how they train me. I respect the business a lot more because of the way they train me. And because when I later down the road, I started training guys, I, I trained them the same way that I was trained and I respect them guys for that. And actually Marshall was trained by super hentai. So it was like passing it down the chain, like, you know, yeah. but no real feelings. Stuff happens, like I said. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's where I got my start at. Okay, we could just move on then. So, um, what's the first match that you really remember? Or, like, not even necessarily your first match. Maybe just, like, one of your favorite matches early on. And would you, you know, any any match you'd like to touch on? You know, it's... It, it, it takes some time, and I, I know you can admit to this. Like your first twenty matches are just like, like you could go back and think about them and remember them. But like you just then, once you start hitting hitting your stride and you feel comfortable, you know. Yeah. Um. I can say, um, probably some of the best. Well, obviously, I'm going to state this: if you can have a match with one of your good friends, you will choose that 99% of the time because we'll just say that you can take liberties on your friends and go to the back and be like, dude, you hit the living shit out of me, but I absolutely loved it every time. Like, you know, yeah. um, so obviously one of my, uh, one guy that I wrestled probably more than anybody is, is slice. So anything that I did with him in the ring, we just kind of got better and better. You know, we had tag belts with multiple companies. We also been on the other side of the fence. I actually, the current title that I have with Black Diamond Wrestling, I took off of Slice over a year ago. So that match was in a cage. So that's memorable. That That's more recent. Um I also had good matches early on when I started Coded Wrestling with Dan Sandwich. I thoroughly enjoyed those matches. Um, matches that I could have with Hayden Fair, who no longer wrestles, but those were good matches. And I'll be honest with you, really, really the meaningful ones um, that I had with Bjorn Heathen and Sinborn are yeah. very close to me in the heart because I trained those guys and watching them excel and and do stuff and knowing that i had a part in that you know what once you see i i wear so many hats like you are just a wrestler and obviously you have your podcast not taking anything away from you but i am like i'm a i'm a wrestler i'm a promoter you know i um train guys as well and then you know obviously the ultimate wrestling fan. I don't know how you can not be a fan and still do this. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I agree. Whenever I can help the guys, just like we talked about me, you and Uggy in that triple threat, like you guys were green and greener than whatever back then. But I wanted to get in the ring with you guys. Like I wanted to see what you guys had. It wasn't nothing like, Oh, I want to get in there and bully you guys, teach you a lesson. Like I just wanted to see what you guys have. And I actually, that came up. It's funny. I came up in a conversation with Pav a, like a week ago, and I said, "Listen, I'll put you in a triple threat with you and another guy. I want to see what you guys have." He's like, "I'd look forward to that." I'm like, "I did it before with with uh, two other guys." Like, that's the thing with me. That's I. I people don't people don't understand, and they think I rub everybody the wrong way. But I have given more people opportunities and chances, and I will help people and I won't like be the guy I won't be the disgruntled vet that goes in the back and says what the fuck was that I did that once before <laughs> to my guys that I trained but they completely screwed up something and yeah. that was probably about the only time I ever done 
all the other times I was just like, listen, you did this, 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 and this, then, you know, don't do that. Like, I don't come back. Like it's, it is what it is. And I don't even really take it out in, in the ring either. I kind of just, yeah, just like, okay, I'll, I'll talk yeah, to them later sure. and hopefully it sinks in and we're cool. Yeah. I, I could definitely attest to that. Like, like I said earlier, like you definitely have a perception of, you know, being over the top. And I feel like mostly that's cause your character and you kind of, you kind of do live the gimmick, but you, you, you've only jokingly come back to me and said, what the fuck was that? And like, I, you've gotten me like scared before. Cause I was like, you know, kind of new and the promoters coming up to me. I thought I did good. <laughs> and you come up here like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, what what and you're like oh i'm just kidding i didn't even get to see your match was that was that at asylum <laughs> no that was a code red where you were the promoter oh that was that code red okay yeah but you were just messing with me was that was that in west virginia yeah i yeah. remember saying i just don't remember where it was at i remember doing it. i was like i'm gonna rib i'm gonna rib and watch this yeah you it was in west virginia at the uh firehouse i forget what firehouse that was but that was a great venue that was oh that was elmore west virginia yeah elmore that that's a great town to wrestle in. I, I definitely we may or may not be seeing that place again soon. Just, yeah. just a little bit, a little tidbit there for you. Wink, wink. All right, uh, dope. So we're not uh, broadcasting that. That's just whoever here heard, heard, and we'll see what <laughs> happens from that. So, um, let I guess let's talk about you talked about how you had different hats. Let's go into uh, you kind of went into training already. Do you want to? Go talk about, you know, your promotion code red a little bit. Tell some of its history, maybe how it uh, started or how, you know, some of your milestones that you've hit. Sure. Um, code red wrestling actually started the name started back when I was like 17, 18. And my friend at the time, we were working at Wendy's and he liked wrestling. I liked wrestling. So we had like a small web page that we didn't really do much with, but we had a web page when it was like cool to make a web page. So that's where the name started from. And then, um, 2015, I was approached to buy a wrestling ring and the assets with the wrestling ring, not the company's name. Cause I didn't need the company's name. Um, but me and my, uh, partner at the time, Serafini, we decided to purchase said ring and start our company. And in September, 2015, we had our first show at century three mall in West Mifflin PA. And then we stayed there for a little over a year. And then we switched to, um, running shows in, Oh, down, down the road, I guess, I guess that's technically pleasant Hills. That was at Field Trip Fitness, and we were there for, I don't know, just about a year as well. And then after that, I moved to Elmore, West Virginia, where we ran wrestling shows up until, like, COVID hit. Yeah. And then during COVID, I talked to Rick at Black Diamond Wrestling, and he allowed me to use his venue. So we were running shows for, what, I maybe a year done in there. And uh, I actually haven't ran a show since January of last year, and it's it's eaten away at me because this would this would have been the sixth year, and um, it's the first time since I ran that I didn't have my anniversary show, I didn't have my Halloween show, I didn't have my St. Jude benefit show, and I didn't have my Christmas show, and it's like something that really bothered me. As far as the other shows, you know, yeah, you have those shows, but they didn't mean as much to me as my like first like four shows because when i started i started in september so like the first four shows were like they meant a lot to me and they've always meant a lot to me so i kept the same names and i kept them going and uh yeah i'm looking i was waiting on some people so some stuff fell through the cracks um i was also more or less once i needed to step away from the ring this year i had a few matches but i needed to take care of me yeah, definitely um, understandable. And some, and some things. But at the same time, the thing that makes me tick is wrestling. So being away from it also causes other issues within me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's your outlet. It makes perfect sense. 
people don't realize, okay, you can pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go to a therapist. You know what my therapy is? Going to that weight room, getting in that, getting in that ring, having a wrestling show, seeing my buddies I see on a mo- regular basis, monthly basis. I mean, I was seeing you every month. Yeah. For well, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you in, in over a year, and yeah. I, I would see you every month. And you know, I've seen you more than I actually see my own blood. And like, you build that camaraderie up, and you need that. Like, you miss that. You know, yeah. especially with like going out after the shows and stuff. That's like, that's some of the best parts of pro wrestling. It's just the I know. I I sent, you that, I sent you that picture. What was that? couple weeks ago i forget slice was said slice said something so off the wall and you just you just bust out laughing fall out of your chair and i'm like it's okay it's okay he wasn't drinking and you weren't drinking because you weren't even of time, anyways yeah and it was just hilarious (laughs) i don't even remember what he said but that was one of the hardest laughs i ever had yeah. I think it was like some sexual reference, something, because he was just very, very hating women at the time. Because oh they want to give him something <laughs> along that lines. I can't remember exactly. It was definitely it was something out of pocket because we were getting looks from other tables, yeah. and I think that was part of why I was laughing. Well, I mean, face it. Anytime I ever walk in with my wrestling crew, we all we always get looks, but it's what it is. Yeah, that's fair. So, kind of just talking about your promotion i mean uh do you want to talk about like saint jude's a little more because you, you've done that sh- every time uh as long as i've been a part of code red we've done that show and uh it's always a great thing to do like a benefit for the kids and like you know help give back to the community do you maybe want to um touch on your relationship with saint jude's and like you kind of already did but just go further into it because I think that is that is a big deal that you do that. So well, thank you. Um, I just I do it because it's the right thing to do. But I don't I don't need praise for it. But thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, so my good friend Denny Taylor, um, he works for GNC, and for years he's done stuff for um, St. Jude, and he does liftathons. He does. Um, like football games. He does like breakfast with Santa. He does all these things. I'm like, dude, I'm in like, we'll do a wrestling show. We'll put it for St. Jude. So actually the first St. Jude, first show for St. Jude that we did collected for was one of my Halloween shows. I forget what year that was. I think that was like 2016 Halloween, I think. Um, and then after that, I'm like, well, why don't we do a show just for St. Jude, like every year for like the Christmas? And um, so we started that and we did three of those, saw three of those consecutively. Um, like I said, I didn't do one this year because I haven't had my ring up or ran any yeah. shows. Um, but like anytime I can do something to help him, like he he actually, I was just at a lift a phone. We do, we collected more money for St. Jude. So whatever I can do to help him with that. Cause it's a, it's a cause close to his heart. So it became something close to mine. And I mean, I, I love kids. So anything that I could do in that respect to help the kids, um, I love giving back. Also, you, you talked about that in the past. I've also collected, I collected for other, other organizations like pet for pets for vets, um, the Parkinson's foundation. And there was a few other ones, um, but they didn't, they didn't really, it became a thing that like not very many people donated. So I just kind of stopped that because it was more like me taking money and adding to it. And it wasn't, it was like backfiring instead of doing it for the right reasons. It was just like something like, like you're begging people for money and it just didn't come out the way it was supposed to. So I just kind of keep it with it, with the St. Jude. Cause I also did um, for the animal shelter too. I used to run a Paul slam show. Yeah. And then I, I stopped doing the Paul Slam show, and then it turned into doing St. Jude. And um, if if I have my location and finally pulls up, I'm going to be working with somebody, and we're going to go back to doing every show for a charity um, in, in a larger scale, hopefully. I, I don't care. I'm not in this business to worry about money that I make. 
I make enough with my in my personal life to do what I want to do with the wrestling business and anything I can give back, you know, my guys will, my guys will always get paid to wrestle before I ever take a profit. Um, yeah, that's, that's I don't, I don't, I don't need to profit. If I have to sell, if I have to sell concessions to pay my guys and take the money from consent, like I will, like I don't, I don't do it for to make money. I do it because I love every aspect of this business. And when I say that, I love every aspect of the wrestling business. And I've pretty much done every aspect of the wrestling business. Yeah. Okay. So two things that like I want to dig into a little more there. Um, first off, I just want to say, like, I it is awesome that you uh always pay your wrestlers and i've always appreciated that about you because in the indies for you know fans that might not realize there's this term called a hot dog and a handshake and uh you know people do end up screwing you over a little more than you liked i've personally been fortunate in that for the most part in that sense i haven't had that happen to me too many times but i've seen it happen to a lot of guys and I think it's great that you, you know, prioritize paying your talent. Also, just talking about, you know, you definitely have done a lot and accomplished a lot. Do you have any, you know, advice for upcoming wrestlers and upcoming promoters as well from, you know, just taken from lessons you've learned over the years? Actually, yeah, I'll t- I have I have two good th- answers to that. But I will touch on this. I have always tried to pay my guys but there are times that my guys did work well they obviously for charities they work for free but there are other times that we had very bad draws and we pulled in no money that my guys knew that they didn't get paid but i i always had the policy if i can't give you a 20 dollar bill i ain't giving you anything so like if i made money my guys made money but yeah if we you know it's so i don't want to i don't want anybody to come back like oh fuck didn't pay me this show like there are shows my guys didn't get paid but they're also loyal guys to me and they, you know, they knew, so they respected me. I respected them, and I gave, you know, I give my guys creative freedom with that, with their, with their stuff. So it's kind of like a give take. But if I can pay my guys, if there's money to pay my guys, I will always one hundred percent. Advice to a promoter first, if you want to be a promoter, and this is how I ran my comp with my company. You can be well aware what the other promotions are due. Please know what the other promotions are due, but don't set yourself to be competition with other promotions. Worry about your own product. Worry about your guys. Worry about what you do first. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing. That's where the I I think people's biggest downfalls are. Um, and obviously, history will tell us. I mean, that's what happened with Bischoff and WCW. Yeah. Basically. Do I need to say more? Um, and the other question was about wrestlers. What did you say about oh yeah, wrestlers? Upcoming wrestlers. Keep your mouth shut and your ears open. Yeah, I mean that's great advice. I think it, you know have a great work ethic. Listen, whether or not you take the person's advice that's talking to you, listen, say thank you. And you know what? Also, and I'm very old school in this, and people will argue, argue the other thing. The handshake. Always shake somebody's hand, yeah. even if you don't know if they're in the business or not. I've shaken, I've shaken parents' hands at the concession stands. I've shaken fans' hands helping the shows, not knowing. You don't know who's who, yeah. so don't run somebody the wrong way. You're not going to be able to shake everybody's hand. You're not going to be able to shake everybody's hand before you leave. Yeah. But shake the majority. Nothing's going to come back. You nobody's going to be pissed off. You be like, you know, yeah, you like don't that's have to stress out about it. But it is yeah. definitely important. It, it shows. Yeah. When I listen, I know when I when there's people that don't come and shake my like. I know. I tally that in my head. I'm like, you you never shook my hand ever. Like, <laughs> like I just give them just a like a look. I've been it's there like, when that's happened. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like no, that's a that's a big no no with me. That was like instilled with me by my trainers. Like you should shake your hands, just like in the ring. You know, you always 
you always try to clean your feet. Sometimes I may forget because you got other stuff going on. You got a thousand one things you're trying not to screw up, so you forget to wipe your feet in the ring. But you always want to wipe your feet before you get in that ring, too. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, you got to learn basic wrestling. Uh, what's etiquette? That's very important. Like I was, I was lucky to be taught that very early on, so I never had any issues with that. But some people don't get taught, and then you know, it's. It, it's kind of on them, but it's also on their trainers. Like exactly, you got to teach people wrestling at a kid, or they're gonna get fucking buried when they. Yeah, get I'm the only shoes. gonna. I'm, I'm gonna, as far as you're talking about training, I'm gonna touch on this lightly because I'm not gonna get into a matter of opinion and dispute. Yeah. But, um, I train for an entire year. I feel like you should have to train for an entire year. I think there's so much stuff you need to learn about the business that you can't possibly ram into somebody's head in six months uh, a lot of trainers i know they like to fast track wrestlers because they either want to take them on the road or they need talent for themselves unless they come from you know a background like you had the collegiate wrestling background so you you would be a little bit different of yeah, a case but if you take it somebody sorry yeah sorry yeah sorry sorry i didn't Damn. make you, it to college you know what i meant wrong term but you know what i meant um but if you just take somebody that doesn't really have an athletic background, you try to in six months try to like fast track them in the bit. I think it's the wrong thing. There's too much to learn, and I think that's the reason why um, you have a lot of the issues that you do have. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think it's important for like to give people time to train and not throw, definitely not throw them in there. But I also think like you're saying, like some people can can go at their own pace. Cause they have prior experiences and uh, like, you've definitely, even though you say that, like you've definitely been open-minded about it because like I was only training six months when you booked me and like, you, you know, we were always good and you immediately showed me that respect as like, and not maybe before I wrestled for you, but I think after the first show, like you kind of, you know, noticed I could go and, you weren't too worried about it, and you showed me that respect yeah, from there on Like out. I said, you, you had the amateur background, so you're like an exception to the role. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that is important to get, like, it, for me, I, I was trained a little differently. Like, I was, we were taught, we were literally taught, like, a match. Like, the whole match was put together from beginning to end, which now, like, that would be terrible. But... You know, for me, it ended up working out because, like, I learned through that that, and, like, you know, just muscle memory of doing the moves, doing the spots, and, like, learning the timing of, like, uh, after you do a big move, selling, like, even when you're up, like, selling to the crowd and, like, you know, your fire up and everything. At the time, I was a heel, so I didn't fire up. But it was, like, you know, after you cut somebody off, you take that second to let it cook. And, like, really feeling that on your own. And then, like, for me, it was it started like that, and it just became more and more on the fly. And I think that's also a good way to learn personally because, like, I think, like, that's where every wrestler should want to get to is, like, doing most of it on the fly. You know, some people, like, I, I don't really... I don't really know, like, how to call, like whole whole like crazy ass high spots on the fly i'm not sure if people talk that out or not to be honest that would be pretty impressive if they do but yeah i think calling matches on the fly is kind of a lost start too and uh i, I think you 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 mean you both can agree because we've been in the ring with them that sick and definitely like calls everything <laughs> i haven't been on the ring with them yet I'm oh, excited yeah, to do that. I mean, I've trained with him, but I haven't faced him yet. I'm facing him in January. Well, I'm sick. You know, he'll call, like, he'll be called a match, and, like, he'll get, go back, and I'm like, well, dude, you have the whole match because it's in your head, and you go back and change stuff. Well, we'll do this instead of that. I'm like, yeah. Um, I'm one that would rather just call it in the ring. I'm trusting my opponent. I want to know how, how are we starting, where are we going from the double down, how are we ending it, and then if there's any spots you want to do that we need to go over, go over. The rest, you just get there. Like, I'd heat when somebody's yeah. somebody's doing the heat like dude i heat's the easiest thing just do whatever you want to do just tell me what you're doing and i'm yours yeah i i like a mix i like like open heat uh 
Like I like calling fire ups and uh, like just more complicated yeah. spots. But yeah, I I I've like especially recently, like I've gotten a lot more comfortable personally with just being on the fly. And like speaking of like you know everybody talks about like you you wrestle and then you'll just have this moment where something clicks and then you're just way more comfortable in the ring. And exactly, I think personally what that is is I think that's being having the confidence of um like when you fuck up a spot or if somebody else fucks up a spot like you know how to cover it up really really quickly and like no it's gonna be okay you know and like you understand the timing of like even if you do botch something if you just get up and do something really quick nine times out of ten people aren't they even gonna have. notice well here's what i always tell people like what like you can call whatever you want backstage but when you go out there What's meant to be seen is what the people see. Yeah. You can't change it. That's what it is. And also, like, when you call everything in the back, it's hard to... It's not hard. And, and like, I, I shouldn't say it's hard. But it is... Um, You need to have a mix of having an openness to be able to react to the crowd. Because if the crowd is getting fired up for the face... And, yeah, you gotta and change you just your, keep your beating on them and beating on them. Eventually, they're going to die out, and it is going to be so much harder to get them back than if you just give them that little falsy to just, you know, keep them interested and keep them in the moment. You know, also, what I think that the problem is when you call a match for every move in the back, you are more likely to have the deer and headlights syndrome, which we kind of, you know, call it deer and headlights, yeah. like you're you you're like okay next move next move next move. you're not thinking if somebody messes up you're thinking about the next move next move, next move and like yeah. some great talent out there you could be in there with two of the greatest guys but you know nine times out of ten you get it perfect that one time you're gonna somebody's gonna forget something somebody's get can get thrown off their element or something and yeah. you're gonna you're not gonna think to hurry up and cover it because you were too busy thinking okay this move's coming next yeah. Instead of more like gauging your opponent, okay, what are you gonna throw at me now? Okay, I took that, so what are you throwing at me now? I don't know yet, but I'm not I'm not a deer in headlights because I wasn't waiting for something. I'm just kind of like you coming at me, so come at me. Yeah, yeah. And also like it's a lot easier to uh be more theatrical when you're not so focused on like what's coming next. Uh, and yeah, like, your I face think... kind of shows that you're trying to think you're like panning through your head what's next, you know? Yeah, it doesn't even give you time to really sell to the crowd and like get them riled up. You just kind of forget that they're out there and you're just doing like the same old song and dance. It's like your nine to five job that you do the same thing over and over again. There's nothing new. People yeah. don't want to see that. No, not at all. So um, speaking out about the crowd, you you are someone who constantly interacts during your matches like. Not so much when you walk out and sell merch, but you do yeah, you do get into the occasional heated argument with a fan. What's some of your favorite fan interactions you've had over the years? Oh, right off the gate, I'm gonna go go with Phil Don in Don in Benwood, um, West Virginia, because he was just he'd always mess with me at the show and I, I just <laughs> just love messing with him, but we're 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 cool. Like that's the thing, like it depends if I'm a face or a heel. Um, but even when I'm a heel, I'll leak, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get a rise out of people and I'll be whisper like, you know, so they know, especially I love being a heel when it comes with the kids and I'll be like, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? Tell you, your dad's sitting next to you. You think he's going to attack you? And, and I like, I want nobody's coming down. Like, I whisper, I'm like, Hey man, you, you good? You having a good show? Like wink, wink, you know, yeah. so I don't want them to be like upset. I've never gone out there and been like a hundred percent, like and made a kid cry just to cry. Like I always. I always break that kayfabe for like a two seconds when nobody's even really paying attention. Yeah. Or like, you know, when you do that dive or take that dive outside and you're by the guardrail and fans are yelling at you and like, you can just kind of have like a small conversation with them and not be even be like wrestling related, you know, you kind of break that and then just get back in the ring. You know, I don't know yeah. if you ever had any of those conversations like that. No, I have not there in a match, but I, I have, I try to have conversations with people like before the show starts and during intermission and, like, that's kind of frowned upon a little bit. But, like, for me personally, I see people bored. And it's, like, 
I don't know, man. I think of myself as an entertainer. When I see somebody bored who's paying a ticket to see me, I'm going to go up and entertain them, you know? Exactly. And also, you're talking about the fan, like fans' interaction. Like, you know that there's like certain fans that you look for that you can feed off of. Yeah. That's what I like. When there's fans that, regardless of how they're acting, you know that you can feed off of them, that just elevates your character to the next level when you're able to do that. But yeah, you, that's right. Like, when you hear crickets out there and they're just like, it don't, it's like, it's like Hulk Hogan. Very, very basic moveset. Yeah. But he had the crowd the whole entire time. Yeah, the whole oh, <laughs> the whole entire time. Well, pretty, you know what I mean. He had the attention of the crowd yeah. with doing basically. So it doesn't you. even it, it's sad to say it doesn't matter how good you are in the ring if you can perform and you know if you're charismatic enough the fans just pull pull they just they they what you go they gravitate to you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you know, there's definitely been great examples of that. Hogan, Cena, Daniel Bryan. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll defend Cena. That is no, his I... program moonset. If you, when you've seen him wrestle, you remember when oh, he wrestled? Kim I wasn't Rhodes even talking about, I, sh- I wasn't saying they can't wrestle or they don't have, I wasn't like coming oh, up you mean I just, just meant they had the crowd problem. the whole match. Okay, I, I no, you. no, no, I, I definitely don't. I'm not one of those people that like look at wrestlers who have like, how can I, you know, judge John Cena? <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? He's literally. Yeah, you know, I don't even like do that. I don't. I'm I trying don't to do. Like, I don't. I don't speak ill of people who have done what I'm trying to do. You know what exactly. I mean? It just seems stupid to me. Right? We're supposed to have a brotherhood, but not everybody in the business gets that. And they yeah, don't. I might not Another never meet don't them. Don't understand what the brotherhood is and what it's about. Way. Yeah, absolutely. Like. I try my best not to speak ill of, not even like to that level, just people on my level as well. Like I try not to bury anybody. I try to only speak, like bring people up. Cause I feel like, you know, obviously there's competition of, you know, trying to get a spot on a show and, you know, make the main event and make more money. But at the same time, we're all working together. There's plenty of fans that like wrestling's in a great time right now. We're in a golden age of re- pro wrestling. There's plenty of fans to go around for everybody. As long as you're doing what you need to do to make yourself different and, you know, you're being, you know, you're solid in the ring, you're solid on the mic. Like as long as you're face. not shit, you're going to be fine. You don't need to bring other people down. It, it's not going to help you and it's not going to help them. And there's no reason to, hurt other people's reputation for your benefit when it's probably not going to benefit you to begin with. That's why, that's why, that's why I respect about you. You're so, so nicely well-spoken. Like you're, you're always respectful. I know that there's a few times I've been like irate back for some reason, maybe not irate. I'm just saying I rate for me, like just something, just how I am. And you were like fleck, just, just, you know, calm down a little bit and, you know, like we've had a few of those conversations, not many, but I remember one or two times that you kind of calmed me down a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, you've gotten most of the time to your defense. You pretty, you have a pretty good fucking reason to be pissed off. Well, thank you, thank but, you. <laughs> but you do, you do go a little overboard. I'm like, look, man, I get why you're pissed, but you do got to bring it back a little bit. Right. And, and to your credit, like the longer I've known you, the more you've calmed down. Well, thank you, my friend. All right. Well, I feel like, you know, we're kind of getting towards that in here. So um, I think we need to do a part two and have Connor and Ernie because, like, on, like, those road trips we yeah, didn't touch sure. Connor was there. Ernie was there. Like, they have a different aspect of me as well as <laughs> yeah. me. You know, I, I, I got to see Connor ref now because, like, he went from not knowing nothing to being, like, amazing. Yeah, Connor's a fantastic ref. Connor is easily my favorite ref. When I when Connor isn't my ref, I get nervous about how my ref's gonna right, be. Right, right. Because I'm like, like I and and Connor's usually the head ref, so I'll always make him ref my matches, so I don't have to worry about it. 
but yeah, it's that there's been times like, where I haven't had Connor and I've been like, oh my god, dude. Connor's Connor definitely here? a ref that if you have a spot, you can trust that he's gonna make it better than what's in your head. Like that's the thing. Like I won't do spots with the refs unless I trust the ref that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he does they, a great they, job of being a ref that interacts with the crowd, which isn't usual, but and it's the other thing is it's not forced at all. It's very organic. And uh, I know he's got that de- he's got that heckle. baby face like deer in a headlight baby face like <laughs> why are you grabbing me I don't know why you're grabbing me like it's it's great to work with him yeah well hopefully we get you back on with both of them sometime relatively soon oh no not hopefully we will I'm yeah. gonna pro- all right all right we will we will I might let's, even send them a message after I get on the phone and yell at them but um just to wrap up here I want to plug anything. How how do we find you? And uh, you know, what else you got going on that you want to plug, if anything? You know, I don't you know, I don't even care to plug anything right now. I mean, just just if you're listening, just go out and watch wrestling. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. Just go watch wrestling. Enjoy life and watch wrestling. Like Great you know, word. I, Great words I, to I live by. Code Red Wrestling. You can find us on, on YouTube, you can find us on Facebook. Um, like I said, there hasn't been any new material in about a year. Um, so, I mean, we're coming back. So if you want to go find those pages and like it so you know when we're coming back. But um, currently there's nothing slated yet, but I am been itching to get back, and I know something will happen by springtime. So don't know what state, PA, West Virginia, or Ohio, but we will be back. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. I always love working for you and Code Red. Oh, you you know, brother. You know you're on my radar. But uh yeah, you can find me. You could find first off this pod podcast, most places you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. I got a YouTube channel, L Gigantor, E L Space, G I G A N T O R Yeah, T O R. Facebook, World's Biggest Cruiserweight, Instagram, L underscore Gigantor, and uh Twitch, L Gigantor. Love to play video games. Follow me on all that. And uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Once again, Fleck, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you as always. Thank you for having me, Gigantor. And actually, you can see matches of Gigantor on the Code Red Wrestling YouTube page as well. Flex out! Peace! <laughs> all right. Yeah, everybody. Guys, can we get calm silence, please? Can we get calm silence? Palms. Silence, please.